Welcome into College Football Live. I'm Kelsey Riggs, and we're coming out the tunnel with this. We are a third of the way into the college football season. So how has our perception of the top five teams changed since the start of the season? The guys here to give their power rankings next. Plus, we've got a new favorite in the Heisman race. Will the eventual winner come out of the Pac-12? Vegas thinks so. And speaking of Vegas, Joe Fortenbaugh here to break down Ohio State's chances to make the playoffs after their big win. And we're surely not going to be talking about Colorado after what happened, right? Yeah, no, I'm not willing to do it. To quote Walter White from Breaking Bad, nothing stops this train. Welcome into College Football Live. We are starting right off the top with breaking news. We've got our college football insider Pete Thamel here with us because Pete, Michigan State has officially fired their head coach, Mel Tucker. What more can you tell us? Yeah, Kelsey, three weeks of back and forth culminated today with Michigan State formally firing Mel Tucker. The school, quote, said that he's admitted and had admitted in undisputed behaviors that have brought public disrespect, contempt and ridicule upon the university. Clearly pointed language that shows Michigan State has no intention of paying the $79 million that's left on Mel Tucker's contract. Uh, Tucker has responded twice in the last 10 days to the university's intention to fire him. Uh, he has portended potential legal action by saying he's looking forward to discovery, and he has called the university's investigatory process as terribly flawed, unfair, biased, and devoid of due process. So this is not the last we'll hear, we'll hear legally of Mel Tucker in Michigan State, but moving forward, he has been fired as Michigan State's head coach. It has been a back and forth process. And as you mentioned, we will continue to keep an eye on what happens moving forward. In the meantime, Harlan Barnett continues to be the interim head coach and they go on the road at Iowa this weekend. Pete, another story we're following is Texas A&M. They're going to have a new starting quarterback moving forward. What have you learned about Connor Wegman's injury and their plan? Yeah, Kelsey, Connor Wegman's lower body injury uh, has been worse than initially thought. Uh, coach Jimbo Fisher had said yesterday he would be day to day and could potentially play against Arkansas this week. That's changed suddenly, and I was told by sources today that he'll be out for the remainder of the season. Max Johnson takes over for Texas A&M against Arkansas this week. He is 6-6 six and six as an SEC starter, spanning back to his time at LSU. That's an unusual amount of experience for Texas A&M, which will have Max Johnson at the controls for the rest of the season. He is definitely a solid backup option, and we saw what he was able to do in that game against Auburn. Pete, we appreciate the insight. Meanwhile, Connor Wegman had the Aggies off to a strong start this season. Through the first four games, Wegman recorded an 88 QBR, the best in the SEC, while also completing 69% of his passes. Sam Ocho and Tom Luganville with me now as well. And Sam, I want to come to you first. Why are the Aggies still in good hands with Max Johnson at quarterback? Because he has experience that's really unprecedented for a person in his position. Max Johnson's experience starts with his dad. His dad, Brad, played 17 years in the NFL. His dad, Brad, won a Super Bowl. That's where it starts. It continues with himself. At LSU, he got a chance to start even as a freshman and have huge upsets. And that experience has now continued. Last week, Max Johnson took a team when Connor Wegman got injured. He took a team that only was it was a 6-3 game. It was like a, not even a touchdown. And immediately in the second half, scored two touchdowns to help his team win. This team believes in Max Johnson. The coaching staff believes in Max Johnson. They've continually said that it was a neck-and-neck -neck race in the offseason to see who was going to be the starter. And then what the players in the locker room are saying is, hey, we've seen it. Now we believe it. This is our guy.
Yeah, and Sam, I'll tell you what, the other thing that he's got in his corner is he's got really good players around him. He doesn't have to go out and, and play above and beyond or do things that are outside of the framework of the offense just to move the football. He just got to be a dealer, man. He's got to turn around, hand it off, rely on that defense, which is a vaunted defensive front, and get the ball downfield to the playmakers. I don't think you'll see anything change under Bobby Petrino's leadership here. They will be as advertised. They will be as scripted. And Texas A&M, I know Connor Wegman's a great player, but Max Johnson's played a lot of valuable football, as you referenced. If he just plays within the offense and dips the ball all the way to the playmakers across the field, they're just going to be fine. That's right, and he has so much experience. That definitely helps them as they go on the road at Arkansas. Two touchdowns and 123 passing yards for them in that win last week over Auburn. Let's take a look now at some of the top storylines as we are four weeks through the season. And the top two teams in the AP poll, they remain unchanged. Georgia, number one for the 15th straight week and 27th time in the past three seasons. Michigan remains at number two after allowing seven or fewer points in each of the first four games, leading the FBS and points allowed. Then there's Texas. And Texas climbed the ladder, moving up eight spots to number 11 from, from number 11, rather, to number three. And a big reason, of course, the road win over Alabama in week two. The Tide have since dropped nine spots in the poll to number 12. And this is the first time that the Pac-12 has had four teams ranked in the top 10 in a single AP poll. That includes Oregon, Utah, USC, and Washington, who lead the Pac at number seven, its highest ranking since 2018. As for the rest of the top 10, Ohio State moved up to number four with their road win this weekend over Notre Dame. Penn State came in at number six, its highest ranking since 2021. So take a look at those for a second in the top 10 because we're going to break them all down a little bit differently, you guys. And obviously, when you look at those, it's kind of reflective of what happened last year. You start with the preseason poll. You know, Georgia's won two national championships in a row. You see Alabama's name on somebody's jersey, and that definitely matters. I want you guys to throw all of that out. And let's do power rankings just based on what we have seen these first five weeks, uh, four weeks, rather, of the college football season. So, Lugs, give me your top five power rankings based on nothing but the college football you have seen played in the last four weeks. All right, so I'm going to start off with number five. That's going to be Ohio State. Uh, I've, I've felt all along they've been a much better team on defense than people have given them credit for. They went out and proved it on the road last week versus Notre Dame. Wasn't always pretty, certainly wasn't easy, but they played with physicality and toughness, and they found a way to make things happen at the end of the game versus a really, really good opponent. I think Notre Dame is really good. Ohio State's now starting to come into their own offensively. And like I said, defensively, they're a lot better than people have given them credit for. At number four, I have the Georgia Bulldogs. Now, a little bit of this is out of respect for the two-time national, championship, uh, national uh, champion. But at the end of the day, they're kind of like the Seinfeld series finale. No matter what they aired, it's not going to be good enough, right? So no matter how they play, if they get off to a slow start, they're going to be heavily scrutinized because they're the two-time defending champ. But you know what? They probably got maybe the best roster out of anybody in college football, top to bottom, if you count every single player. At number uh, three, I've got the Oregon Ducks. I, I think they've been one of the most complete teams, top to bottom, in college football that we have seen all year long to this point through the month of September. They can run it. They can throw it. Bo Nix is playing at a Heisman Trophy candidate level. And defensively, they've got some guys up front, as we saw uh, last week versus Colorado at home. Number two. This is the most dangerous team in college football right now, and that is the Washington Huskies. I start to get the feeling that Michael Penix Jr. 
throws in completions just because he thinks you're supposed to have a couple of them every game. <laughs> they are so efficient, and it's not just on offense. They're scoring in the kicking game. They're scoring on defense. They are complete. They are dangerous. They're fast. They're explosive. The only thing they've done is commit a lot of penalties. And my number one team, I think, is the most complete team. I'm trying to find flaws in the Texas Longhorns. They are built up front on both sides of the football for a championship run. They are really deep at wide out. If you were to say, hey, maybe they're not as strong at this position or that position, it might be in the defensive secondary, but nothing glaring. The quarterback play is continuing to elevate, and they've got a huge matchup at home in Austin against Kansas. So there you have it, one through five of the teams that have impressed me most. Okay, Sam, quick reaction, and then I want to hear yours. I love it. I mean, I love looking at the diversity, right? It's like a diversified portfolio of teams. You see a Washington, a Texas. You see an Oregon in there. You see a Georgia in there. So I have so much respect for that list, basically based on the fact that it's really based on what we've seen. And Texas has looked complete, as has Oregon. Washington has been dangerous. Georgia, I still want to see them tested. But for the most part, that's a great list. Now, I'd like to go to my list. And this is, once again, <laughs> the five teams that I would say this season so far that we've seen, at least that I'm saying, okay, this is my five, right? Not based off of history, not based off of, like, the name or the logo, just what we've seen. I'll start with number five. That's going to be Ohio State. Maybe this is because Ryan Day's, you know, complaining after the game and saying, hey, nobody respects us, et cetera, et cetera. But the fact is they beat a really, really good Notre Dame team, a Notre Dame team that I think is still going to be in the college football playoff conversation. And they did it with defense. Kyle McCord did not throw a touchdown pass in that game. If this defense can play like they did this year and last year outside of that half of the Michigan game, they'll be A-OK. -okay. And Kyle McCord is getting better. Number four, I'm going to go to Florida State. And the reason why I'm picking Florida State is this. Though they looked kind of just okay against Boston College, and though they didn't look great against Clemson, I still got to go to week one when they played LSU. That's still this same Florida State team. I think that Jordan Travis actually is battling some kind of maybe nagging injury or something that happened in the BC game, and he's being a fighter and playing through it. But that's why I have them at four. Huge win. Number three, Texas. Obviously, the win over Alabama, but Texas has speed. You think about A.D. Mitchell, Xavier Worthy, even Quinn Ewers had a 29-yard touchdown run. He's not known for his athleticism. And oh, by the way, the speed goes to the defensive side of the ball, too. Byron Murphy's a big athletic defensive tackle. And also, you have guys like Jalen Ford. Number two, Washington. This offense is the most potent offense, in my opinion, in all of college football. And it's led by Michael Penix Jr. at this rate. He is likely going to win the Heisman Trophy. Why? Because Caleb Williams has been a little bit up and down. And also, Shador Sanders didn't play great last week and doesn't have Travis Hunter. And my number one team, the team that I've kind of like liked the most looking this season so far, is the Oregon Ducks. I'll talk about a complete team. This is offense, defense, and special teams. Going into last week, they were the number two ranked scoring offense in all of college football. They put the brakes on. They also had upwards of six sacks against Shador last week on defense. No, oh, by the way, not just last week, but week one and week two, they ran fakes or even two-point conversion plays out of their regular extra point kicks on special teams. So you see fake punts, you see two-point conversions. This is why they're my most, I won't say most complete team, but the team that I've been most impressed with so far this season. Oregon has been impressive so far, as have the other teams you guys mentioned. Your top three, all in different orders, but with Oregon, Washington, and Texas. Let's see them together so that we can see the differences, because the main glaring one is Florida State and Georgia is the main thing that's different in both of those. Tom, we heard what Sam thought about no Georgia. What are your thoughts on Florida mm -hmm. State? 
I went back and forth on Florida State. Haven't seen them in person two weeks ago. Then having seen Texas um, this past weekend in person. My concern with Florida State right now is they cannot run the football effectively. It's a bread and butter of their offense. They're a heavy play action team. Couldn't run it very well versus Boston College. Could run it virtually at all uh, against uh, against Clemson. And to be honest with you, I thought Clemson outplayed Florida State. Um, Florida State won the game. I get that. But if you asked me right now, if Texas and Florida State played each other, or if Georgia and Florida State played each other right now, I don't know if Florida State would win either of those games. Florida State, their strength of schedule is 45th. UGA's is 50th. But when you look at the remaining schedule that they have, Georgia, you want to see if they're able to prove it. 39th in the country, Florida State 64th in the country. So that will be interesting. Those are your guys' top fives. But I want to talk now about contenders and pretenders and people that you maybe, teams that you maybe wanted to bring in. So, Sam, who's a contender that you think could play their way into that top five? Yeah, I think Penn State is definitely a contender. And obviously teams like Georgia and Michigan, right? If we're just saying, okay, who's going to play on the field? Who's going to win? Of course, those are teams you would say. But Penn State's a team that really hasn't got a lot of respect over the last few seasons. And I think rightfully so. They historically lost to Michigan, historically lost to Ohio State. But this year could be different. I don't necessarily think it's because of Drew Aller at quarterback. I really think it's because of their defense. I think their defense has gotten better. And that's why this team could be in that conversation for one of the top five teams as we move forward. Okay, so that's a contender. But, Luke, give me a pretender, somebody that's in the top ten that you need to see a little bit more from. Uh, USC, without question. They are a one side of the football football team right now. Obviously, that's on the offensive side of the football. And, and these are issues defensively that, that, that go back to, you know, not just a year ago at SC, but they go back to Oklahoma as well. I don't know what the blind spot is, but if you can just come up with some competent defensive play, um, it would change the whole complexity of USC's roster and their depth and their, their overall productivity. Listen, I know what all the numbers are going into Colorado this week, and I think that SC will win the game and can probably score as many points as they want, but the bottom line is Colorado's going to score too. It's going to be really interesting to see that matchup as they go on the road at Colorado. Also, the strength of their remaining schedule first in all of FBS as they have so many of those ranked teams in the Pac-12 that they will have to contend with. Speaking of the Pac-12, we got more coming your way as we are talking a little bit about that and some of the quarterbacks in just a while, but also a big win in South Bend might have saved the Buckeyes' playoff hopes, but find out why Joe Fortenbaugh is betting against the Buckeyes. Stay tuned. Let's get in the know with Joe, sports betting analyst. Joe Fortenbaugh joins us for his weekly look at the biggest college football storylines through the eyes of Vegas. And, Joe, we are a third of the way through the college football season. And before you know it, we're going to be crowning a national champion again. We just went through our rankings of the top five, power five, after four weeks. Interesting to see how much our guys differed from the AP poll. And speaking of differing from the AP poll, take a look at AP voters, who they think the top ten teams are versus what Vegas thinks the top ten teams are. Some prime examples. Vegas thinks more highly of the Longhorns and LSU than the voters. So, Joe, looking at this, what's your biggest takeaway? Ohio State being ranked fourth in both the AP and for the odds makers is what stands out to me. I think Florida State should be ahead of them in the AP. I think Texas should be ahead of them from an odds makers perspective. Ohio State's coming off a big win. 
I still don't think they're that great relative to what we've seen from them in the past. That game on Saturday against Notre Dame was more the Irish giving it away than it was Ohio State winning it. Ten men on the field late in the game. The second and 15 pass call with two minutes to go in which Notre Dame stopped the clock. All key mistakes. So I think a bet you can make right now would be the Buckeyes to miss the playoff. It's minus 160, but I do see him losing to Michigan at the end of the season. Penn State's still on the schedule, and when it's all said and done, I don't see him being one of the four teams that gets into the college football playoff. I'm with you. I need to see a little bit more from Ohio State. Meanwhile, the clock struck midnight on Coach Prime's Colorado squad on Saturday, suffering their fourth largest loss as an AP-ranked team in school history, falling to Oregon 42-6. Now, things don't really get any better this week as number eight USC comes to town for a noon Eastern kick. The lines are already showing change from when they opened up. Where is Joe, in your opinion, the best bet for this game? And dare I ask again, are you rolling against the buff? It's worked two weeks in a row, and I would bet against Colorado again this weekend, but I think the better bet is to go over 73 and a half points. This is a USC offense that's hung 42 or more in all four games this season. They're averaging right around 50 points per game. I don't see them having an issue putting up a big number against this Colorado defense, which has struggled throughout the course of the season. Now, I do think the total is a little bit lower than it should be. I think it should be closer to 80. The reason it's low is because we saw Colorado's offense get stifled last week at Oregon. But two key factors that are different last week versus this week. Number one, on the road at Oregon versus at home in Boulder. Number two, Oregon's defense can play. USC's defense, the jury's still out in my opinion. Struggled against San Jose State, struggled last week against Arizona State. I think Colorado hangs their fair share of points here and we go over 73 and a half. I agree. Show me something, USC defense. We'll see if they're able to. Something else interesting to come out of the desert this week is Washington quarterback Michael Penix Jr. He's now become the favorite to win the Heisman Trophy over Pac-12 foe and reigning Heisman Trophy winner Caleb Williams. So, Joe, do you see Penix as a good bet for Heisman Trophy at plus 225? Penix has been fantastic this season. I wouldn't bet him right now. I think you're buying high off of performances against inferior competition. Still has Oregon, Utah, USC on the schedule. Any of those games resulting in a loss, I think ends up getting you a better price on Penix if you want to play him down the road. If you're looking for value, Texas quarterback Quinn Yours is plus 650. That's where he is now. But in the next two weeks, he's going to play Kansas and Oklahoma, two ranked opponents. And if he looks good in both those games, that price is going to change, which is why I would jump on yours now at plus 650. I see Texas running the table, and the whole Texas is back narrative is going to be big for his Heisman Trophy campaign. The people here on College Football Live are now in the know with Joe. Joe Fortenbaugh, we appreciate it. Still to come on College Football Live, we continue the Heisman conversation. You heard the odds, but our guys weigh in on if they'd take a Pac-12 quarterback for Heisman or the field. That's ahead. Welcome back into College Football Live. Here are our week five featured college football games on ABC and the ESPN app. Number three, Texas hosts number 24, Kansas in Austin at 3.30 Eastern. And then number 11, Notre Dame takes on number 17, Duke Wallace Wade Stadium. Going to be rocking for college game days first visit to Durham. Let's take a look at Heisman odds now and according to Caesar Sportsbooks, Michael Pinnish Jr. is now the Heisman Trophy favorite overtaking Caleb Williams 
for that top spot and the shortest odds to win it all. There have only been two instances where quarterbacks from the same conference finished first and second in Heisman Trophy voting. We'll see if that is able to happen this year because the Pac-12 has a strong case, guys. They've got three out of the top eight favorites, four out of the top 11. So let's talk Pac-12 to win it versus the field. Sam, do you like a Pac-12 player or are you taking the field? I love the Pac-12, and you saw it there. Three out of the eight that are in the top right now were in the Pac-12. But for me, it's Michael Penix Jr. that is and should be my favorite. The reason why is this. Everything you're seeing him do last year, he's doing this year. He's been consistent. This is the number one passing offense in all of college football. Number one total offense in all of college football. And oh, by the way, they put up 45 points at halftime of last game. He's not even playing in the fourth quarter. I'm watching the game. He's sitting out the fourth quarter most games. So anyways, that's why Michael Penning Jr. is my favorite. I think the Heisman voters will watch that too, and they'll continue with the voting. Sam, I agree with you. I think it's Pac-12, and I don't even think it's close. And we're not even talking about Cam Ward. Cam Ward beat Wisconsin. He beat Oregon State. He's playing lights out. Here's the thing about the Pac-12 quarterbacks, and we've talked about this so much on this program leading into this show today, is that they're all going to have an opportunity to play against each other, ranked versus ranked teams. You're going to have an opportunity as a quarterback to probably have the ball last in many of those games and have your Heisman moment. It's set up for a Pac-12 quarterback to run away with this thing. And it's interesting because if you look at Caleb, the winner last year, and you look at the back half of SC's schedule, you might say it's more Penix or Bo Nix than it is Caleb Williams just because of the schedule. It is going to be an interesting race to keep an eye on on the back half of the season. You mentioned all those teams as they play each other. Really interesting as the Pac-12 tries to get the college football playoff for the first time since 2016. We will see how it all plays out. They are also looking to have potentially their third Heisman Trophy winner to win it, which would be in the last 18 seasons. They've had two in the last 17. Sounds like they have a pretty good case with a couple of options this week. We'll be back with you right here, same time, same place. College Football Live tomorrow to look ahead to what we will see in week five. We'll see you then.